It is Monday, June 26th, and this is Markets and News, Signal to Noise. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. Let's bring in pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon, Chip. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. And here comes the Cubs, dude. <laughs> they have won eight talk- out of the last ten. They're only three games out of first place in the Central. They're still two games below 500. But come on, the Cubs are surging. <laughs> the uh, uh, I both my Cardinals and the Nationals are not doing well. The Nationals, it's it's a big day when they just win any game. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the Cardinals and Cubs. What'd you make of the London series? Yeah, in fact, I have a, 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 a relation over there. In fact, they they're, they're uh, having their first kid later this year. They attended the game. Really? In London. Yeah, they're from St. Louis area. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. weren't happy Cardinal fans over there. <laughs> Not after game one. They had to no. be okay after game two. He split a two-gamer. Yeah. Go all the way to London to kiss your sister is basically what that was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get on. And, and uh, it, the big news happened over the weekend, and it is uh, mutiny. I guess yeah. is, is is how you'd best describe it, right? Yeah, a 36-hour mutiny. Uh, as we said on AgriTalk, Chip, uh, some things about it are fishy because, uh, you know, uh, Prigozhin got within uh, 120 miles, was it, from Moscow. Yeah. Why did he make a U-turn? What was the deal he made? And, well, he uh, says that it, it's it, because he didn't want to shed Russian blood. Yeah, well, he should have known that before. I just don't buy that, and neither do the Russia watchers that I've contacted. So uh, bottom line, there there are other shoes to fall and, and things uh, harder. And no. uh, Russia's clear history is power, and right. Putin's got to find a way to, to flip this, Chip, back to he, he, he is being powerful. So uh, that's what everybody says in this town that has any knowledge of the situation. So, in other words, we're waiting and no one knows. Okay, so what triggered the mutiny by the Wagner Group to begin with? Well, uh, you, you know, you know, Prigozhin said it's when Russian uh, troops started to kill his own people, right? Uh, Thirty of them at least, and but you know, he went on for weeks trying to send signals to uh, Putin. His former friend yeah uh, that he wanted changes at the highest level of the russian government defense and the national security etc so we're gonna wait to see if if this may have been a tag team i know this is speculation we talked about earlier chip is there any is there any deal between putin and prigozhin to do some of this stuff to give putin uh, cover, if you will, to get rid uh, to to do a purge, and and Rush is famous for their purges. Right, right. Um, Prigozhin was basically off radar for two days. Uh, he was heard from. We assume it because it was audio only. Yes, but he was heard from earlier this morning, and he's uh that's when he basically said listen the reason that we shut this thing down was because we didn't want any um russian blood shed uh in, in a mutiny or an, an override it, it so to me 
it sounds like it, it's not like all of a sudden Prigozhin uh, and, and uh, Putin are, are buddies again. That is not the case. Well, we still don't know because look at his troops going from where they were at their base up uh, north towards Moscow. They, they just didn't get any opposition. Why was that? That that's the that that's the yeah. bewildering thing, and you know was, so we, we have more questions than than answers as usual on this. But you know, but now we're starting to hear questions. Well, if Putin eventually goes, who who's what right winger comes to replace him? Because the Russian history shows that they're usually replaced by even more entrenched dictators, if you will. Right, right, yeah. Um, king of confusion yes. at this point, right? Yes. Bottom line. Yeah. Uh, something usually something breaks within a few days once these things occur. So we should see something by the end of the week. OK. All right. Speaking of the end of the week, let's go back to the start of last or the end of last week. Uh, and you had some. It, well. Senate Ag Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow from Michigan made some news with some creative thinking on how to increase funding for the farm bill. Let's get into that conversation. Yeah, this was at a Bloomberg uh, farm bill conference, Bloomberg government. And it had some news breaking chip because yep. uh, this is classic Stabenow. She is an excellent farm bill negotiator, usually gets what she wants. Now this, this is relative to the inflation reduction act, the IRA funding you know, the uh, the $18 billion that still remains in conservation funding, the, the authority to use those funds ends relative to that legislation in 2031. But if she were to move that funding into the farm bill, which is an entitlement bill, mm -hmm. which is mandatory spending, mm -hmm. then it gets a baseline. Uh, so that would make sense for Stabenow to, to do that because then it goes on. Uh, so I think that that's indeed what she'll do. The uncertainty is whether or not she'll take some of that money, because right now she's saying it has to be for climate-related uh, uh, programs. Well, right. you can move some of that into Title I, but th that remains to be seen. But at least there's a potential give there, Chip, for additional funding above and beyond the uh, Congressional Budget it's, Office Farm Bill baseline. Okay, so the question that I should have asked during the free-for-all last Friday on AgriTalk, Jim, was if they can move some money to Title I, the safety net provisions, the commodity title, if they can move some money, can they move enough to make the safety net an effective safety net? Well, I think based on the Farm Journal uh, webinar that we did, Chip, most yeah. people would say no. 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 Yeah. Because of the corn, corn acres, what, 90 million plus and so, soybean acres a lot, that takes a chunk of change to get more realistic reference prices. Now, you can do some things in crop insurance to, to make it more uh, effective and things like that, but you're going to need a chunk of change in order to put some muscle back into Title I, uh, the right. uh, you know, farmer safety net. Title II is conservation. Now, on the House side, 
Chairman Thompson, at the end of last week, basically said, listen, anybody can pass a farm bill if we if, if you water it down and just try not to be effective. He said, we're not doing that. We're setting the bar high, which to me means making an effective safety net. Where's he going to find the funding for this? Well, he'll find some additional funding in, in his efficiencies. He and his staff are looking at all sorts of things to move uh, funding around, uh, not additional, but move funding for current funding around. So, if, But if you add that with potential deal with Stabenow, again, that's speculative at this juncture, then it's it may start to uh, uh, add up. So, yeah, yeah, he's absolutely uh, insistent on he doesn't want a baseline bill that won't solve anything. And that's why the vast majority of farm groups, commodity groups, lawmakers will say you're better off with an extension. And even Stabenow said history shows that you at least have a short term extension. So you better not rule out a short term extension to give them more time to find some more funding. Yeah. Yeah. The other message or not the another message that came out of the Farm Bill webinar that we did last week with Dr. Bart Fisher from Texas A&M University, Tyson Redpath from the Russell Group, you and me. Uh, another message that came from it is, listen, sometimes an extension isn't all that bad because an extension gives you more time to make a better bill. To, um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it avoids for right now, the potential draconian amendments by some uh, conservatives in the Republican Party and 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 the so-called populists, the far liberals in the Democratic Party who want to come after crop insurance, sugar program, et cetera. So some people would say, hey, you know, let's keep what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Has your attitude shifted on whether or not we will see an extension or there will be a new bill in 23. I want and to what see is what the they, deadline that well, we the can dead, say that they the, got it done this year. End of the year, end of okay. this calendar year, because people are errant when they say the farm bill ends at the end of September, some programs. Yes, but not all, but you're really talking about calendar year, you know, this year chip. Yeah. And in some cases, the marketing year for the, um, yeah. for the commodity. So, but I'm going to wait until August until they come back from the July recess, have a few more weeks and where uh, uh, GT Thompson signaled that maybe a draft bill will surface in August for a September debate. I'm going to give them until then to see, okay, have they, have they found enough funding in order to write a bill? Okay. Okay. Interesting. See you in September. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I think maybe the House uh, chairs or not the House chairs, the the ag chairs could uh, just ring up Secretary Vilsack and say, hey, you've got this really cool access to the Commodity Credit Corporation. Why don't we just move some of that funding over here to the farm bill? That at least is going to be discussed. You know, Vilsack uh, Friday, late Friday, tapped another 
$2.7 billion from the Commodity Credit Corporation, Chip, uh, towards several uh, initiatives, uh, $1.3 billion for, for states to purchase food uh, for school feeding programs, uh, nearly a billion for uh, commodities f- from USDA vendors for emergency food providers, and $400 million, another $400 million to support domestic fertilizer production. Remember, USDA already provided close to uh, $3.8 billion for school meal efforts since September. Uh, December 21. And the emergency food initiative from Friday uh, is uh, beyond the nearly $1 billion provided in September 2022. So we're talking a lot of money here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Jim, it, it wasn't that long ago that we would talk about, oh my goodness, they tapped the CCC for $25 million. And it yes. would be a big deal. Yeah. And this will, you know, recall, let's go through some history. Now, the House is expected to vote on USDA's annual funding uh, bill in early yeah. July, and that includes a rider chip, an amendment that would prevent Vilsack from using CCC funds for non-emergency purposes without congressional approval. And uh, right. I, frankly, I think that's a, a, a prudent a, approach. Now, I don't know whether I don't think G.T. Thompson even approves with that, but I think the executive branch has gotten out of hand, both administrations, either Republican and yeah. Democrat, in the use of CCC funding over the last two administrations. Now, the, the you know, Biden used uh, three point one billion in the funds for uh, for that climate smart commodities initiative earlier. And. Right. You recall Trump used that to uh, during the uh, uh, you know know, during the China trade war. So there's enough finger pointing to go around. And uh, Vilsack Vilsack on Friday stressed that Congress was informed in advance about his recent announcement. So because they got upset the last time he didn't notify him. Oh, okay. Well, he does like to make announcements. He, every time he goes outside of D.C., uh, which is he's in Minnesota today and he's going to uncork some more bio, biofuel funding to spread the use of biofuels, whatever that's going to mean. So stay tuned on that one. And I think he's going to Michigan on Tuesday. So, yeah, wherever he travels, um, the dollars follow. You know, I, you and I have kind of been making fun of this, you know, the U.S. Department of Announcements. Um he does not sit still, does he? He's, oh, no. He is one of the most active and self-starting on efforts and projects, uh, uh, Sec- Secretary of Agriculture, that, that we've ever seen. And I'm talking Absolutely. specifically about Vilsack 2.0. Absolutely. I'd, I'd like to see his strategy board for the, he probably goes out for the year ahead. I bet it's very detailed. You know, he's a lawyer, yeah. so, but he's executing uh, on that. And they're going to like the, uh, the White House today is announcing the uh, 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 investing in America part two. That's their, they're going to not, they're announcing $40 billion again, this money I- investment in high speed internet infrastructure. How many billions of dollars have we put into that? You know, right. now, but this is the one you interviewed Vince Malanga, president of LaSalle economics. I almost always agree on 99 out of 100 things. He says he's that yep. smart. 
I the only area I will disagree, even though he says manufacturing is in recession now in this country, I think all these billions of dollars now are being now funneled through, be, just beginning to be funneled through the U.S. economy and not just limited to infrastructure. And then Sean Haney on AgriTalk has told us Canada and I, he knows other countries are coming into the U.S. in an investment basis because they want a part of uh, uh, building out our climate change infrastructure here. So that's that's going to boost, I think, the U.S. economy more than people think in the months ahead, Chip. That's my bias. And if that's Jim, the case, the Fed's going to get nervous about interest rates because you know, uh, it, Jim, it won't it, deflate it, that inflation as much as people think. Yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to. I, I don't know how they're going to get people to work in these new plants. And if if you automate too heavily. That takes away the economic stimulus because a robot doesn't have to go out and buy a new car or food or even grease. So the labor issue on on this build in America and invest in American manufacturing plan, it sounds great. Execution is going to be difficult. That's I can't I can't argue with that, but I think uh uh I picked up on an item this morning that, uh, uh, what was it? So many people over 80 years old are still yeah. working. That'll be me if I survive that long. Okay. Well, uh, that That's what you get in a market like this, Chip, where the, all these people 80 years or older would not, would not in the past have been working. Right. When there's, there's 650,000 people over 80 were employed last year. Nearly a 20% increase compared to a decade earlier. That's perspective. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, and they're, they're probably, well, I don't know if they're in better shape or not than, than uh, octogenarians of earlier times. Well, most of them are not me. <laughs> you know, when we talked about energy, we we talked about before the show uh, the, a, a mm-hmm. big report out this morning from OPEC predicted that global oil demand is going to grow 110 million dollars barrels per day by 2045. I stress 2045, and that's a 23 percent increase in overall energy demand. Uh, and OPEC, OPEC flat out said oil is going to remain a crucial part of the world's uh, energy mix. So that's a shot across the bow for the uh, electric vehicles. Now, they're talking their book. OK, they're talking their position. Um, I get that, but I don't doubt it. Uh, there, there are so many economies around the globe, including here in the United States, that are built on fossil fuel energy. Yes. And yes. I'm I'm telling you at some point we're going to get another fossil fuel friendly uh inhabitant of the White House. Yes. And it's it's so many of the efforts that this administration has put in place to do away with fossil fuels are going to be reversed. I mean, the first thing that Biden did day one 
was to stop the keys to to stop further development of the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, the next the next Republican in the White House, the first thing he does might be to restart the Keystone Pipeline. Well, it better come soon because even that OPEC report raised concerns, Chip, about what they said, the underinvestment in the oil industry. And they warned that it could threaten the stability of the energy systems we have now and, and lead to an energy chaos because right. you need fossil fuels. You cannot get by right. for at least another decade without uh, fossil fuels. And I will add the the uh, uh, oil, uh, the the uh, automobiles right now they're making that are not hybrids, that are not electric vehicles. In particular, say the the Genesis uh, by Hyundai. You talk about a fantastic car. That they're gonna once you have them, you're you're gonna want to keep them for at least ten years. Yeah, at least because they're that good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I hear what you're saying, and that's an internal combustion engine in that car. And who knows? Who knows if the automakers would really want to get on board with the carbon reduction uh, of of the car reduction of the carbon footprint and the GHG emissions? They'll come with the next generation of the the internal combustion engine that's going to use biofuels like crazy. There's, there's to just flat out say that the decision that the die has been cast and uh, we are on a path to EVs, I think is a little premature. This is where you need the oil industry working with the biofuel industry for their both of their survivability. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. What did you make of Powell's testimony last week? Uh, he made it clear to many of us here in D.C. that you're going to have higher interest rates at least two, two times. So uh, it, 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 he, he, they're fixated on inflation. And in your talk with uh, you know, Malanga, mm-hmm. he said, it, it will, will the Fed uh, continue to, to just be all, all, all focused on inflation? And I would say absolutely so, because they bollocked it, uh, yeah. uh, in, in, you know, last year with right. their transitory inflation. So he, he's got to get that inflation rate down to that 2% or 2.5% area. And you recall that Vince said 3 to 4%. That's not going to cut it for, for, for Powell. Right. right. Now, in June and even into July, the year-to-year comp helps you out, helps the Fed. Uh, it it uh, makes it easier to show that the rate of inflation is slowing down. As we get deeper into the year, it's going to be more difficult on the year-to-year comps to uh, to, to show that the inflation rate is slowing. Um, that's why you pause now, but Powell is saying there's going to be more interest rate increases later this year. It's because of the year-to-year comps. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's pretty much. I mean, that that. Uh, script has been written uh, is, is what it looks like to me talk to me about blinken's visit with the chinese officials including including chinese president xi 
Well, he said that the new the new thing that surfaced you, you you're talking about there they really talked a lot about uh Taiwan's upcoming presidential election. Okay. And I think Xi wanted to get crystal clear that the uh, that the Biden administration was going to be hands off relative to that presidential election. So I think that was the key thing coming out of that meeting that really we didn't uh, know chip uh, it, right. it, the way we do now until this weekend. Right. Exactly. It was, uh, and we said this on Friday on the free for all, you've got to, you know, when, when, uh, kudos are due, you've got to pass them out. And, and I thought it was a fantastic round of meetings with India. Now the, the, just how good of a, a round of meetings it was is going to, will be determined in the future by follow through action. But boy, it's on the surface, Jim, that was a heck of a round of meetings. It was it was a, a score for the Biden White House uh, geopolitically because it serves as a nuance uh, uh, to uh, China in that uh, very important region. It uh, settled uh, a number of trade skirmishes at the World Trade Organization mm -hmm. between uh, the U.S. and India. It was very good news for U.S. apples. Uh, they came out much in favor of the reduced uh, tariffs, uh, lentils, uh, et cetera. So yeah. agriculture got some wins out of this one, too. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Uh, former U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer is going to be... In the headlines, uh, in in the, we'll be getting some media attention this week. Why is that? Yeah, tomorrow his book, uh, No Fair Trade, is officially released. In fact, I think Amazon's going to deliver my hard copy tomorrow, so I can't wait to to read it. <laughs> and because you, we're going to get some inside stories uh, out of that, and Lighthizer was the one of the most effective. Uh, U.S. trade reps I've covered in my long time here, Chip. So I, I really can't. I'll read it in one day. I know that. <laughs> uh, wow. That's, and uh... and Tuesday, National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is having a uh, you know Washington conference here. Okay. Uh, on, on, on trade, that'll be top heavy on trade. We're going to have, uh, uh, some Biden administration officials, us, uh, uh, you know, USDA chief ag trade negotiator, Doug McCallop, uh, uh, USDA undersecretary for trade, uh, Alexis Taylor. So the, the, we're, uh, you know, the topics are going to include the ongoing trade frictions with uh, Mexico regarding GMO corn and biotech yeah. and, and Canada's implementation or the non-implementation of the dairy decision under USMC and the whole dispute process. So we're, uh, watch for that at that policy forum t uh, Tuesday in D.C., Jim. Okay, excellent. Uh, Supreme Court, there should be several decisions announced tomorrow, right? Yeah, you had some announced, they signaled today already. That They've oh. got 10 key announcements. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. they would start uncorking some of these until tomorrow. But you had a couple today. But the, the ones we're really looking for, Chip, is the, uh, uh, the student debt relief, yep. affirmative action, and on federal election laws. So uh, today they ruled that uh, Louisiana had to uh, rewrite 
one of their congressional districts to uh, yeah. include more blacks in it. Uh, you know, bottom line on recent Supreme Court rulings on the on the uh, carving out of certain states, uh, that's going to mean more Democratic votes in the House in 2024. I'm going to be checking with uh, my guru, House editor of the Cook Political Report, with Amy Walter, uh, you know, you know, Dave Watcherman, to see whether or not this is going to tip the house to the to to the democrats in 2024 i know awfully early right now but uh they're going to pick up three to four seats at least as a result of these uh supreme court uh, you know cases yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's uh the analysis that i've been reading on on that as well um so uh, i don't know if you know this or not jim but there was a drought developing out in the middle of the country (laughs) and i think i uh, people like you and and uh, Roger Bernard said they got you got us some hefty rainfall. No, yeah, yeah absolutely. From Friday to uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, at my specific location, we had just over four inches of rain. Now I think hmm. that was one of the heaviest totals in the state. To be to be honest, yeah, I saw uh, your rain gauge. I, I, yeah, it looked top heavy to me, but. It, <laughs> but I'm I'm telling you that the there there were some very beneficial rains. Now southern Iowa, down into Missouri, uh central Illinois missed out on the rains. So that oh, my, I think is my nephews who farm in southern Illinois are crying. Yeah. It's not hitting them in the Belleville, Illinois area and into the Missouri area. So they're hurting, Chip, on that yep. one. But, you know, the next time you talk to your weather gurus and you talk a lot to them, I want to see if there's any correlation between when the weather starts breaking here in the D.C. area, in my area, or you can say the East Coast, if you will, as a signal that the following week it's going to break in some portions of the Midwest. Yeah. Several times I have said online that in, on AgriTalk that we're finally yeah. getting rain here in the D.C. area, and the very next week it starts raining yeah. in the Midwest. It right. may be anecdotal, but I, I want you to start asking if, if, okay. if I'm just dreaming this, that we could have found a new, a new you know, something else to watch. Right, leading indicator, rain in Leading Jim's indicator. House. Yep, yep. Uh, there is... There are greater chances for precipitation and more uh, frequent chances for rains in the middle of the country over the next 10 days. So you know what time we're talking about, Jim, and what a a critical time going through the 4th of July. 4th of July, absolutely. If if the fireworks rain out – you know, either on the third or the fourth or the eighth. It seems like a lot of places are waiting until the following weekend to do the fireworks this year. Uh, but if if we get some some fireworks rained out, that I think is is going to be another challenge for the bulls in the in the grain markets going forward. So something now to, I remember meteorologist John Davis, when we were on the wire services yeah. together, Chip, he would frequently say another, you know, meteorologist say it what around the 4th of July thereafter weather patterns change. Yep. So yep. that's something else. To yeah. Watch. And we're into it. I, I think, you know, the, the weather forecasters that I talk with are all indicating that 
the pattern has changed and we will be seeing some more frequent rains. So something to something to watch. Okay, get news. Jim's daily comments on profarmer.com. Make sure that you keep up with those. You've got to listen to AgriTalk mornings at 10.06 and afternoons at 2.06. We talk policy and issues in the morning, markets in the afternoon. And, of course, uh, tune in every week here on Monday afternoons, markets and news, signal to noise. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Mm -hmm.